Welcome to Blue Collar Mystics, the under-the-hood approach to the depths of human consciousness. So many mysteries, so little time, so many big words. That's why we aim to take the mystical and make it practical, usable in your everyday life. And you know, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your story. What happened when you started asking yourself the real questions? Like, who am I? What is this? Is it a hologram? Is this some kind of weird cosmic joke? Hey, these are the questions that we are trying to get to the bottom of as we explore the final rabbit hole together here as Blue Collar Mystics. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show, Blue Collar Mystics. We are that show. How is that? I hope everybody's having a great day. I'm really excited to bring on a long overdue guest. We haven't talked in quite some time, and we've already been riffing it up. Uh, <laughs> I want to go ahead and welcome our good friend, Andy, from the Deep Share podcast to the show. What's up, my friend? Hey, man. It's been too long, and this is awesome. Thanks for having me back. This is great, man. It really has been too long. We've already been riffing, talking about quitting, giving up. Yeah, just give up. <laughs> just, just give up. It's, it's the new mantra, right? <laughs> I, I think that's, I think that's so good because it's like the things you can't give up. You, you try. Yeah. You would try. You would try it sounds like like the transhumanist, like I don't know, cabal, like way of distracting from the truth, like the you know the let it go from Eastern mysticism, right? Just let it let go of attachment. I think they just mean give up <laughs> just go to use your meditation app that we've provided and the That's binaural right. beats that you can activate by pressing your left eyebrow three times <laughs> that's right that's right oh it's so good how it's gonna go <laughs> <laughs> yeah i watched the vid- i watched a video today that was like dating in 10 years and i'm like man i need to find Ooh. somebody actually pretty soon <laughs> yeah let's start a campaign man get <laughs> owen a girlfriend <laughs> i hadn't really been focusing on that but then i right. you know you think about 10 years from now well, um, hey, you know, typically it's like the best way to find someone is to not focus on it. So maybe you should just keep trucking, keep doing what you're doing, focus on being your beautiful self. Yeah, I think you're doing a lot uh, of good stuff. Oh, dude. Likewise, likewise. Yeah, it's so cool watching you and um, yeah, following everything Thanks. that you guys are doing. You got the garden over there. You've been tending all summer and oh, yeah. yeah, I've really enjoyed seeing what you guys have been sharing there. It's awesome. Oh. Thanks, man. I hope it's been inspiring. Uh, it's been challenging and a lot of life lessons. And uh, well, thank you. My beautiful wife just brought me a glass of water. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, we've been learning a lot. My wife has been just like literally exhausting herself, learning everything about each and every fruit and vegetable that we can possibly grow here in New England, down south if we were to go that way, up north if we were to go that way. Like, where are all the zones? It's unbelievable. Mm. All the things I didn't know about gardening and just patterns in the earth and all, all this kind of stuff. It's unbelievable, but it's challenging for sure. Especially when you get really hopeful and you have some plants growing and they're looking great mm-hmm. and then something just happens and it's not even always your fault. 
sometimes it's nature because nature can be a total asshole and it's like uh squash squash has like these uh i can't remember my wife's gonna kill me for not remembering but they're like these little bugs that like burrow into the root and you have to literally check your squash plants under each and every part of them every leaf every day otherwise you might get behind and one of them might get in there and then everything's dead it's just like those kind of examples ad nauseum you know but it's good it's good no that's crazy no i i totally get it you know you work so hard and and it's and it goes back to that (laughs) whole thing that we just like started opening up about it's like it's uh, but it's but it's but it's so freaking funny too and um I don't know. What else are you going to do with your time? You know, you have to continue to follow whatever those challenges are and, mm-hmm. uh, and try to have fun with it. And, and that's exactly what I think, you know, everybody is, you know, we're at this like interesting impasse and we've learned so much and we're trying to figure out how to apply it. And there's so, there's so many challenges. I say sometimes like if you, people talk about how great nature is, it's like, yeah, you think nature is so amazing. Go live there for a fucking year. You know what I mean? <laughs> and tell me how awesome it is. You know, you wind up yeah. r- writing like till- a sand County almanac or something, but <clears throat> yeah, like wait till autumn's over. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then it's winter. At least where I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, winter here is, it's not hard, but it, it's just sucky. It's just inconvenient. Yeah. It's like right. 38 and rainy. It doesn't. Right. It's not like cold enough for a winter jacket, but mm-hmm. it's not warm enough to take it, it off. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Up it here, is. it gets down to like negative 15, negative oh 20 God. sometimes in the winter. And uh, But that's the fun part. Then you get tents and you go up north and camp out in it <laughs> like idiots. It's so much fun. Sitting like an ice bath up there. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> if... if if we could find one, it, mostly like you get up to New Hampshire area in the wintertime to go like mountain climbing. And there is, it's just a frozen wasteland. And I'm trying to tell my wife, like she wants to move South because of the, the farming zones, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, New Hampshire. And she's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like <laughs> she hates the cold. So it's a tough sell, you know? <laughs> I don't like the cold that much either. And like New Hampshire, I drove up there for pork fest, not mm-hmm. this summer, but the one before it is way up there. Damn, oh, yeah. New Hampshire is way up there. It's beautiful. It was Hell really, yeah. really gorgeous up there. But damn, it is far away. It's almost Canada. Right. And then you got Maine. And then the top of Maine, I used to go to Baxter State Park up in the like real northern Maine uh, to do Mount Katahdin. And you're talking like when you're at the campsites around Mount Katahdin, you're in like 15 miles, 20 miles of wilderness in every direction. It's so insane. And you just listen and you hear nothing sometimes. And it's just this amazing stillness that I've never found here in Massachusetts, unfortunately, but there's other places to go. And we don't know where we're, where it's taken us, but we're going somewhere eventually. That's cool. No, I love that idea. And I'm, I'm for it too. I have some ideas as far as like how to get property to basically, you know, help pay for itself. You know, I've just been doing the Airbnb thing for so long. I just, maybe it's one of those cases where it's like, when all you have is a hammer, <laughs> everything <laughs> looks like a nail, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Hey, passive income is a huge, amazing thing. If you can start making it work for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's everywhere is kind of dependent on the place that you're at. Are there tourists? What brings them in all those types of things? And then you can adjust your, 
you know, uh, approach based on all of those things. Some places are just so busy that people are always coming through. And yeah. so at that point, you know, that's automatic. I had some friends, they made like, I don't even know how much money they paid off their fucking house by renting teepees in their yard. They lived, amazing. <laughs> they lived in the city. So they were pretty close to the city and the, the teepees were amazing. My friend, uh, who, who built them was, uh, like a an engineer. So he knew exactly That's what cool. he was doing. He had these massive teepees that were metal and uh, this really thick tarp. They even had them heated and <clears throat> air conditioned. Right. That's and sick. One, I would have, I would have stayed there. That's awesome. See, see what I mean? And <laughs> they put it up there Hell as yeah. a joke. That's, that's what we're talking about. Like, uh, and we want, we need people. We're at the mm -hmm. stage right now where we're kind of like, all right, we need to really find our people. And even though I feel like I have definitely found my people through, podcasting and meeting everyone in this community and continue to do so. Um, we need to find people that are actually willing to make some real crazy sacrifices and do some real different kind of living because that's, I mean, at least right now, that's what we're going for. And I don't think it's any sort of pipe dream. I've had those before. <laughs> this is like, um, this feels like, imminent <laughs> you know so we're thinking about that like where can we get 25 acres of land for for cheap you know what can we do with it you know we're looking into cob houses and man at first it sounds real hippy dippy and silly and a little like eh, i don't want to go that far but then you see what you can do with cob houses it's pretty fucking amazing and they're standing for hundreds of years you know of course you have to find a a zone where they allow cob houses. Right. Right. Because you know, that's a rule for reasons. Well, I had never heard of cob houses. Uh, <clears throat> sounds pretty it's really cool. amazing. It's a mixture of straw and sand. I want to say, um, there's different variations you can do. Um, there's some, there's like a new method where people are adding like a little bit of concrete into this mix and they're creating these like fucking houses that are going to last hundreds and hundreds of years. But it really depends on how much time and effort you can put into it because financially they're cheap as hell. Like you're talking, you can build an Island in a kitchen out of the same material. Like you can build so much of your house. Like you can build in shelves and everything. That's so uh, cool. So <clears throat> you can even build benches along walls and run heating through it. So like you can have a heated whole heated couch in the, in the wintertime or something. It's nuts what you can do. And it's cheap. We're talking like, you know, uh, a small house for five grand, 15 grand, 10 grand, something like that. That's so it's awesome. way different. <laughs> it's just a lot of manual labor. It really is. Mm. It's not impossible to learn. My wife and I are alert, looking into it now. There's like cheap classes you can take to learn how to do it. And it's not like, um, it's not like learning, you know, carpentry over a friggin' YouTube video. It's not like that. Right. This is, um, stuff that people have been building since probably time immorium, you know, like we've sure. been doing these kinds of structures. I'm even open to that idea. I don't know if you've heard it about the pyramids, the possibility that those stones were actually poured hmm. and, and that there was no need for giants carrying interesting or electromagnetism. Not that that stuff may not be in it, you know, sure, sure. Thing, but just the fact that that's a plausible idea right there. Hmm. You just have a mold and you just pour each block as you go. 
Yeah, something along those lines. There's hmm. I don't know who, but there's someone out there that has kind of mapped out the whole hypothesis in detail. So it's it, yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it, at least we know for a fact we have been building like this in many forms <clears throat> for a long time. You know, these so. look like like Lord of the Rings, like sort of uh jr tolkien or yeah like, a little bit that's the thing we can't we, it's so hard to find like modernized style but they exist it's totally you know you can I mean, do right angles the thing <laughs> about most it most people are like i just want to live like a hobbit <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if i'm gonna go this far i'm gonna make round doors <laughs> that's right <dude. laughs> that's exactly right no and my wife and i are like i mean if we found one already built like that, I mean, I'm not going to entirely say no, as long as it's not ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, no. no, they're so cool. They're super charming. And I mean, that's really kind of the thing as far as like a, an Airbnb kind of thing or whatever, right? Like you want something that looks different, you know, like something right. that stands out from the other things and has some sort of a charm to it. If it's just a one bedroom apartment with a coffee table and a micro, you know, microwave yeah. and a coffee filter, you know, uh, machine, then what, it, what do you got? You know, you're looking at 12 bucks a night. If you can customize something and then start, you know, and then I would love to host like, um, like some retreats and stuff like that would be super fun. And Dude, then, yeah. you know, have people come and like, uh, the guy, uh, James that I've been working with, um, he does, all, he does the gong spaceships mm -hmm. and just like have, have a gong spaceship retreat, you know, have one just yeah, on the dude. property and then people come through, you know, that's part of the experience. Take them rafting, take them horseback riding, take them on a meditation, yoga, whatever. I mean, yeah, man, that's, everything. that's what I'm talking about. I mean, maybe that's not considered passive income, but it's like, I don't know, immersive income. That's, or something like that. That's a cool yeah. term. I don't know if it works, but <laughs> for now, like it. placeholder. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, I think that's where we're all headed anyway. I think uh, if we were to eventually like kind of sum up what this movement, if we could call it that, uh, is doing for people like us, at least, that are thinking the way we are, is that it's empowering their ideas and just kind of like taking back childhood, taking back the idea of dreaming. And uh, I know that sounds really hippie too, but no, I don't, yeah, I've, time, I've, I've always stigmatized on purpose. Yeah. I, I mean, think so in my, too. in my brain, it's yeah. stigmatized on purpose, you know? Agreed. Um, so it, it is that cheesiness and that awesomeness and that silly hippie dippy kind of feeling. Uh, it's like, you should be able to go out there and utilize everything that you have or whatever you have and be able to, to earn from it, you know? And I think that's becoming more and more apparent. And the further we go, I think people are getting more and more objective with how they approach what kind of talents they really have and what they can offer. It's unbelievable. I can't really think of an example, but it's like, wow, someone thought to make money off that. That's amazing. Like, it's such a general idea. It's just, it's so cool. Like, using our using property to... You know, my wife mentioned, like, if we had 30 acres, shit, we'll build a whole wedding venue in the back or something, right. you know, have people give us piles of money, you know? Right. So it's, there's just so many different ways to go about it. But if, yeah, if you have land, there's so much opportunity to, to provide even, not even just earn yourself, but to create that community kind of around you 
or however many of you there are, sure. you know, sure. if there was like a collective garden in the center of a massive block of land with a bunch of houses on it and shit yeah. far enough away. We got our own space. Like we each have like woods between our houses and shit, but it's like a, a neighborhood, right? Yeah. It's like a, just a different version of what we've had going on forever. It's true. It's true. More sustainable. Yeah. More sustainable and more, you know, more uh, healthy from a, like a community uh, perspective. You're actually actively engaging with your community, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're a part of it. You're a living, yeah. breathing part of it rather than just a consumer, which, you know, yeah, that's the road we've been turned into, you know, mm -hmm. just the one road of consumer. Mm -hmm. no, oh, even, actually, no, because we're the product now. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we're not even like consumers anymore. We're like passively working for them. <laughs> we're their <laughs> passive income. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Traded on the stock exchange, right? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't know enough about that. I don't I, either. I, 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 don't I, either. I, I hear these things. I'm right. like, huh, <laughs> I wonder how. How many chapters of a book I have to read to figure <laughs> right. that out? If that's real or not? How many books do I have to read before I wonder if it's bullshit or not? Yeah, it's the thing. It's like, yeah, I totally want to do my own research, but how long is it going to take? You know, it's interesting <laughs> to hear a different theory, like you were saying about the blocks being poured on the pyramids. Mm. It's like, well, yeah, how how simple would that could that possibly be? You know, as a solution, and. Right. People are continuously, I think, you know, figuring things out all the time. That's what's cool about the community. You'll hear about the flat earth stuff or like the Tartaria, you know, all of that stuff. And it's all intriguing and fanciful. And I, and I'm an idealist too. So all the hippie shit always resonated <laughs> with me. I had a book, coffee table book called hippie, you know, on my, I remember uh, that book. Yeah. I had it at my house and <laughs> I would just strum through that, you know, uh, when I was in college and be like, why am I doing college? You know, and <laughs> that's, that's fucking great. I pre pretty much have like a parallel to that. I have, um, it was called like acid tales or something like that. And it was this big colorful book with like 2000 personal accounts of acid trips. So that was like something I'd thumb through and be like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I had to back then. I was like, I had to look into every psychedelic information thing I could because I needed to make sense of what the fuck was happening mm -hmm. to my brain, you know? Had no community like this around me, right? It's 20 years ago. Wasn't the same. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's about, you know, right for me too. Like my college time, early to mid 2000s and, and, and on into the team, yeah. maybe. And just, there really wasn't like in 2012 too, when I really had a paradigm shift, whenever, whatever mm. time that was like, and it wasn't really pretty to be honest. It sucked, but like there was definitely no one around to talk to about that. And it was so mm. fucking lonely. That was the worst part about it, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah. The Yeah. Oh, Oh, I related so closely to like the first video I ever saw talking about Plato's cave and like showing the individual afterwards, how he first goes back into the cave to like try to convince his buddies <laughs> and they don't believe him. Hey, they don't kill him yet. You know, he walks away and it's just showing him like outside enjoying that new world, but just like alone in solitude with like the wind on him. And I'm like, man, that is my soul. Holy shit. And it was, it was difficult. And I really, I had friends around me that, trip balls with me but 
nothing happened for him. And I think that that makes sense. Like it's only, it only happens to those when it's, it's only happens when it's supposed to happen to somebody. That's all it really is. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Tripping either. Yeah, of course not. You know? Yeah, of course not. Certainly, certainly not. Um, it, it gives me an, an idea comedically. Like not too long ago, it was like a extreme leftists on DMT, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's like some things just never cut through for people, (laughs) you know, and I, and I don't understand how, cause I had the, you know, some pretty mind altering experiences back in those days. And it really challenged me to change the way that I thought and approach the world. And I, Mm -hmm. I was with other people who I thought would have had similar, um, conclusions drawn from the experience. Right. And, but it wasn't always that way. And I think that's so interesting. I think it's really true. And, uh, it shows me how many mistakes I've made in the past, right? Like just trying to bring information and ideas to people before they're ready for it. Cause there's just nothing you can do. It's really, you know, you could sow seeds and be an example and do the, you know, and, and do the positive things Mm -hmm. and the personal development things and, and all of those. But as far as it goes, like you're not going to open a flower up. You know? No, that's a great analogy right there. I mean, you just got to stand there and wait for it. Like, that's it. Wake up. Come on, flower. <laughs> you just yell at it. Oh, you <laughs> goddamn beautiful flower. Um, right. You know, there's another angle to it too. It's like we, a lot of us, we, we, we always say that, right? It's like, well, you can't wake people up that aren't ready. And that is true. It totally is. And on the other end of it, I think most of us, pretty much everybody when we have those phenomenal phenomenal whatever experiences we come back and we have to use our logical right brain to make sense of it and not only to ourselves but then when we go to tell people right and i think even if it makes sense to us at the time i think to outsiders they can't see all the parts that we're not saying that make it that glue it all together for us Um, and call it the ether, right? It's, it's that unknowable part. And again, it doesn't have to be that you had a spiritual experience or a near death experience or psychedelic or anything like that. If you're here, you're here. And the point is that like that glue that holds it all together is the part that's like unknowable and unnameable that's inside of you that sees a pattern and a pattern that's, that's abstraction, you know? That's you. It's very personal. And when we all come together and we get it collectively, it's amazing and, it, and it, it's reassuring and it feels great. And those that don't see it, they don't feel affected by that, you know? And, and yeah, it's just like we're bringing a story to them that's broken, but we don't see it as broken because we just already know we have this innate feeling that we're coming from the right place mm. and they should just friggin' get it, you know? And that's impossible it's impossible even when they do get it most of the time. I think there's like a buffer too, where, especially if you're deeply invested or you've spent a lot of time thinking about a certain topic or idea, you just go so deep. And most people are not, re- you can't really relate to them anymore. Cause you've gone so far down, whatever that path is. It's like yeah. a professor that's been a professor for 50 years and they're just angry at their students. Right. It's like, dude, we <laughs> haven't been studying in this shit for 50 years. Like you have, you know, did he just call us long hairs? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like the distance and the gap, <clears throat> you know, between how, how they understand something or how we understand something versus somebody, 
you know, um, outside and to get that perspective too. Like it, you don't get a lot of perspective. Like, let's say it's like marketing, for instance, or somebody's giving you life advice or something. They'll tell you to do something, but they won't necessarily always tell you why, right? Like you won't always yeah. have that context and people will just start hammering away. They'll just post every day, but it's like, but you're not posting relevant content. You're not captioning your what whatever, right? As an, an example, but you get so detached, I think from where the beginner is and where they the, the, those gaps, like, you know, right. Those could, all that connective stuff that like you and I could see, or I could like say just a funny CIA joke or some shit, you know, and you'd be like, Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's so much insider information that if I were to like hang out with someone that I haven't seen in like eight years or something, they'd be like, what do you even, what language are you you guys talking to different? Yeah. I mean, try to be around me talking about history at this point is just infuriating to anyone that doesn't want to (laughs) hear about ancient shit. That's, you know, hidden and all that, you know, I love my father loves history too. Yeah. Which is a, it's a real contentious point with a son that wants to impress his dad, not only impress him, but, wow him and and give him that feeling just like we were talking about you can't do it but it's it's unfortunate because with history it's like you can really look at this this uh this amazing outline of what we have in front of us and go look look how how fucked up it is and how you know not proportionate they they don't fit together it's amazing and but when the indoctrination is there and and especially with someone that loves history, but from an establishment point of view, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of pride as well. You run into a lot of pride and even faith in those places. It's, it's very strange, but yeah, I'm the worst at Thanksgiving now. (laughs) My God. Like, Oh, you think it's bad that like, like Columbus, blah, blah, blah. Oh no, that's not even that. That didn't even happen. (laughs) Columbus was an alien from the 12th. (laughs) D. Oh, you think ancient aliens? Yeah, there are no aliens. I'm nuts. But last year, I I tried tried to talk to my fucking like sister about Box Saga a few few months ago, Mm. and she's like, "Interesting. Wow, that's crazy." Okay, (laughs) I think that's so interesting. Would you talk a little bit about it? Oh, sure. Yeah. If you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I, cause it's not something that I've really dug into, but I understand the basic underlying premise. And I think I see, I, I don't know. It makes sense to me. It's an interesting idea for sure. I think it's a really great reference point. Um, there's a lot of different really great reference points around the world that, um, offer up an origin story. So, you know, I tell people that, you know, take it not with a grain of salt, but with like maybe a boulder, you know, you're not taking the whole thing, but <laughs> because it's like the root language that goes along with this box saga is so conclusive logically that it's really like startling how like, you know, eventually when you get into box saga and you start trying to disprove things, it, it's it becomes really squirrely because the way that this just to give a background to people, I guess it's like a, it's a Finnish story from one family supposedly passed down through generations forever, literally forever. So, I mean, again, it's a big, what if right off the bat, um, but it's underlined by this root language 
paired with these symbols in like an alphabet. And actually it's even called Alphernus Betten, hmm. which translates depending on who you talk to as the rhyme of the all father or um, rhyme of the elves. Hmm. Uh, it's very Nordic and very Scandinavian. But um, the way they, the way this root language is constructed is that every sound, every pure sound has a meaning as a part of the story. And when you go around the circle of the alphabet or the Alphernus Betten, it tells the beginning of the story with those root sounds. And then when you start putting the symbols together as you know, we would call them words and sentences and all that as you go further out in scale. So picture a lot of concentric circles, no pun intended. that's important. You start to, you, you still use all these same root, uh, sounds and it continues outward. So nothing can, uh, contradict from one level of the story to the other. Hmm. So if you're getting the saga in its true form, that should fall true. And it's all about pronunciation. And this is where we get into an area where, um, I think a lot of people will be familiar with just the concept, at least of the English language, Latin based languages themselves, supposedly, uh, they seem coded. There's a lot of weird word magic, double meanings, things like that. Different spellings. Very, very important. Um, the saga talks about how basically they have their version of like um, the tower of Babel. Okay. And it's basically when the white, <clears throat> the black ink hit the white paper. And that's like, kind of like the mm. metaphor they use um, because that's when the pronunciations started to flow freely and divide up and change. Mm. Um, so maybe this wasn't like a purposeful coding or something. It, I call it like a game of telephone that some became aware of and know how to manipulate it. You know, it's something like that. More. That's like. so fascinating to me. Okay. So it's all, so I was actually going to ask you. Yeah, like, sure. That were related to the tower, to, to the tower of Babel and how all that, because like, oh, nice. the idea was right. That everyone spoke one language. Yes. Um, everyone spoke one well two languages there's actually two and this is okay. another really crucial point because huh. we supposedly we now speak a combination of both of these languages wow. both of these languages together formed germanic languages okay and from the box saga's point of view these germanic languages are far older than we have ever been told and they basically seeded the whole planet that's this whole thing um so yeah in the very beginning of the story you have paradise time it's called paradiset and at that time in the story the earth is not tilted on its axis it's standing straight up hmm. it's in balance ball lance ball wow. and lance straight up and down wow um and at that time in the story that would put Helsinki at the top of the, the earth and Helsinki was just called hell. So hell being a place in the North, not down below us. Also you'd assume a pretty cold place rather than one that's on fire. So hmm. you already have, you start to see the roots of these inversions hmm. uh, at least from this perspective. And again, this is really like, shock value right like at the beginning when you start to hear about this kind of stuff it's like okay that sounds like 
like a psyop or what are they distracting from? But as you go further into it, you start looking into the language, man, and how it all works. And then you start hearing accounts from, from others, like people and like scholars and mathematicians who couldn't get their brains around it and, and have used it ever since. And like this one mathematician um, met this man, Eeyore Bach, the one that was releasing this information to the public in 1987. And uh, he, from this root language, Alphernus Betten, this alphabet wheel, he was able to connect the flower of life geometrically somehow and moved and built a yurt and spent the rest of his life drawing mathematical uh, geometrical patterns relating to this root languages huh. um, quadrat uh, their mathematics. It's crazy. And is quadrat is their word for mathematics. And it's all about the circle with the little Q line. It has to do with the North pole, this uh, hell with the pole and the sun going around perfectly 24 hours a day, like there are 12 hours of day, 12 or something like that. I always get that mixed up, but they had a lot of, it was tropical in this story. The entire planet in this paradise time was tropical. Okay. So <clears throat> then we have at the, so at the top we have hell. This is also known as Udin Ma in this story. Udin, we already hear something familiar there that eventually became Viking and Norse mythology. But uh, the way we're seeing it is that that was all the Norse stories that we hear are maybe like already hijacked stories from much older legends. So anyway, I'm kind of all over the place here, but just to paint the picture for your audience, because this is a weird story. So everyone all over the earth was all brown or black. Everybody, North Pole, everywhere else. And it was all tropical. Then you have the first Ragnarok, which is, you know, destruction. And that's what tilts the earth. Whatever this was, it tilts the earth. And even I think at one point in the saga, it claims that it tilts the galaxy. So like a galactic tilt or something. Whoa. Pretty weird. And then ice starts forming all over the northern hemisphere of our planet. Helsinki is no longer in the north anymore. It's put it into this position that is severely affected by the Gulf Stream that comes out of Mexico and goes up all the way into the Gulf of Finland. And the story says that this, this um, Gulf Stream, this warm air, warm water that was coming with it, formed a figure eight or a roussette, as they call it, around this area of hell this Udenma where Helsinki ended up after the tilt and it kept hell from freezing over. <laughs> what? <the? laughs> so surrounded by hundreds of miles of snow and ice, like a mile high, whatever the ice age says is kind of what they're talking. The younger driest ice age. And, um, you know, Dan Unaki, Dan, my co-host on uh, deep chill where we talk about this kind of stuff is, uh, kind of convinced that this is where the flat earth distraction comes from where the ice wall and i i think it's a little off it may not be it but it's it's interesting to say the least the connection there at least because literally they have this haven in the center with hundreds of miles of ice mm. and like you know surrounded by these giant ice walls that they can't get out of so during this time period they survive 
and the rest of the northern hemisphere is absolutely decimated and destroyed. <clears throat> they can carry on and they do so in the story for thousands and thousands of years while the rest of the northern hemisphere has been kicked back to absolutely nothing. You know, everyone, anyone that survived is struggling for generations. So later in the story, you have the second Ragnarok, which is when the ice begins to descend uh, southward and starts to melt. And this is where we start to get familiar stories because they have their own Noah story and they have their own story of like, you know, the interpretations that we see not only from like alternative sources, but the Bible itself with like the Nephilim, yep. the Nephilim and stuff like that. It's always these, um, you know, these, these beings, these, uh, what is it? The sons of God mm -hmm. came down to marry the daughters of, or lay with the daughters of men. Mm -hmm. And, this story is told in the box saga. It's told about how the old ways in the old world trapped inside this hell, this Udenma, you weren't after, even though the ice was melting, you don't know. We're not, we're going back to Udenma wherever, as soon as they were able to go back there, they, they did. Um, because when the ice started to melt and go southward, I mean, it, they, they describe it as like a scraping across the crust of the earth. Hmm. So like Udenma was destroyed again after it was this wonderful haven for thousands of years and the only place that you could survive, it gets destroyed again. Hmm. But afterwards, they end up going back to Udenma and to leave the old ways, to leave their system in the way it was, was blasphemy. It was terrible. And I think, and many think that this is where we get this story of the the Nephilim. The, I mean, we have all these stories of the flood kind of carrying with it these messengers and many, many interpretations. Hmm. But we'd have to go real deep and real far into why I think this is all human stories and it's all stories of people from the North. And I've talked to a lot of people that are uh, researchers that have gone on the ground, you know, in these areas all over Northern Europe and Ireland and Scotland, all these places, they're the same stories everywhere. You got the Twatha de Danan in Ireland and Scotland. You have the Twatha de Anu as you get closer to the Middle East. And then you have the full on Anu Naki. And they're all talking about these <clears throat> tall, white, blonde, red hair, mm -hmm. blue eyed, green eyed mm -hmm. people. And so I've been on this tirade. I'm going through all sorts of folklore from all kinds of countries. And I'm investigating their fey folk, their fair folk. Because I think they're all white folks. And so the box saga says that this is where white people came from. Because during that time period where they were trapped in Udenma and everywhere else was ice. Or should we say all the land is ice. Because this is supposedly where we get Atlantis from. That it eventually morphed into this you know, location. It turned into a, a title, a name, a, a place. But at one point it was this phonetic all land is ice. Alt lant is. Hmm. And it's it's fucking crazy when you match that those phonetics up with a lot of the other examples from the box saga that work, and then you match those up with the Finnish folklore that is accepted. That it all fucking matches up. So we get a lot of interesting things going on here. I mean, we have all the stories we're familiar with, and we know that that's usually a red herring, right? When you get something that's going to come in and go, oh, no, no, no. 
I know you think there's this and this and this. We can explain all of that. That's usually a bad sign and not a good thing. So <laughs> that's where my mind's been while I've been extremely fascinated and in love with the research to see everything and all the connections. But at the same time, I always have that voice going, yeah, but I mean, it's interesting that it w it does kind of feel like, you know, they've been talking about an archaic revival for a long time. And you have this old, old, old world heathen family supposedly talking about this, you know, coming back and everything. It's just all, all the parts are very interesting, especially when you lay it out in like this, the duality that we are, uh, are handed and we see what the duality looks like. We have this like old world idea versus this very new world idea coming out. And they both seem to be part of the control group, the in charge group. But I don't think they're, they have the same goals. I think it's a breaking away and I call it the oldest family feud. Mm. Yeah. Because I, I think mean, it's the prodigal son story. I think yeah. those, those family members, those lines of families from this Acer line from the North that did leave Udenma and mingled with all the Southern ladies. I think that really was like the Romeo and Juliet story. It's, it's really is the fall. It's, it's nuts, man. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, in a way you can also see, sorry, I, I no, don't mean to ramble. No, One last point. No, no, no. You also get to unfortunately connect this shit into Arianism and keeping it in the one race and all that. And that was done according to the box saga out of desperation during Altlantis, right? And these things like muscle memory in our consciousness for, even if it's forgotten consciously, it these cultural ideas, everything carries on, on an unconscious or subconscious level. And I think that's why Dan and I are having such an easy time matching up all this symbolism from mm -hmm. all of our cultures, right back to the box saga, because it's not that they mean the same thing. It's not even necessarily that the elites know about this, or maybe they do. <laughs> but it's just we if we actually had a civilization that was doing the same exact rituals for thousands and thousands possibly millions of years if that's actually possible we don't have anything like that in our modern history or world or anything where we actually have cultural norms existing that long in consciousness so we're probably just acting out the same old stories out of this muscle memory, in my opinion. And then that's the end of the rant. <laughs> no, that's good. That's really, very interesting. I was going to ask, uh, have you looked at the Oralinda book at all? Are you familiar? I with have. Not as, not as much as Dan. I think Dan's been, been reading it. I've just looked at some passages. But yeah, it alludes to, to this as well. And then there's a Florida saga that we've just recently gotten turned on to. And we're doing a, a roundtable with those gentlemen that have been researching it. Uh, next week, it's called the Saxer Saga, S-A-X-E-R, and it's just as outlandish sounding on the surface of it, <laughs> but it also claims Atlantis. It also claims Garden of Eden, which also, I mean, when we talk about hell, <laughs> oddly enough, in the box saga, that is clearly the Garden of Eden as mm -hmm. well, Garden of Heathen, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so this Florida thing claims the same things. And we have this guy telling us that he can connect the two sagas and saying why they're, they're part of the same bigger story. And I'm like, I'm all ears. I'm, I'm ready, man. I want to hear it because we do have a lot of new weird shit going on with uncoverings in America. Right. Got a lot of weird stuff going on under our own feet.
Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you just look back, you know, a hundred years and there's a lot of evidence in newspapers of giants, you know, it's not something we talk about now, but I mean, just that alone is curious enough, mm-hmm. you know, and all of the, I mean, as we go back in history, you know, oh my God, it just gets more and more ridiculous. I think it's fascinating oh, yeah. that when the ink meets the paper, that's when they say, that's when shit goes haywire. Cause got that babble feel. Damn, that's gnarly. So and how about that? How interesting is it that we say babble as in like, you're making no sense, right? It's almost like they're alluding to this language that was created right up out of nature itself. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how they describe it in the box saga that it was given to the brain by, from Odin, the sun. This is the origin of sun worship too, of course. Dun, dun, dun. Uh Oh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I'm no, going to stop. <laughs> no, it's fascinating. It over. Yeah, no. Uh, well, I mean, when you look into Christianity, uh, even and yeah. or some like modern Pentecostal kind of shit, they're talking in tongues. How does that fit yeah. in? Do you think to, to the box saga? I th- it might be a mockery of of something like a, a chaos for order. Hmm. Uh, you know, I haven't looked into talking in tongues, but I I wonder if it has something to do with the the primordial idea. I know that like Terrence McKenna used to talk about like. Where has it been written large that primates with, with, you know, small mouth noises should speak of truth. (laughs) And it's true. Like we're just making mouth noises and Joe Rogan said it all stoned out too. Like, man, we're talking, we're just saying mouth noises and our brains are interpreting that shit. Like, yeah, we probably saying completely different things to each other. Like, Hey Owen, how's it going? I have a tall hat on. Excellent. <laughs> like we just don't even know what we're saying. Sure. I don't know. So I wonder if that talking in tongues thing is some like much rich, deeper, like ritualistic metaphoric meaning or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard to know. There is something I think spiritual or something, you know, uh, to it. Yeah. I don't know what that necessarily is or if it would relate. Like if we have like some innate language within us and we're all speaking it at certain times you know when things happen (laughs) yeah you know like when you have this experience and they do it in church you know because they get carried away by the spirit or whatever but yes i've seen this happen in other scenarios as well you know oh hell yeah (laughs) and you dude when you just said like a language inside us i don't know why it just lit me up because um i actually the only reason i was fascinated by the box saga to begin with was not because I mean Altland East was pretty catchy. I was like, "Whoa, finally a unique perspective on Atlantis." And just real quick, it's it's because that we find concentric ring, you know, things all over the northern hemisphere, and we have all these different ideas of where Atlantis was. Well, everything was fractal, so this northern hell had this concentric ring system as a caste system and how it all worked in society, and all over the planet these concentric rings were dotted everywhere because it was the same system all over the planet in this paradise time. But yeah, anyway, back to this, the reason why I was initially fascinated by it was the root language because the root language would tie everything together like it does. And when I was tripping balls one time, a long time ago, I had eight grams of mushrooms. Mm, And at one point, yeah, man. (laughs) And at one point in the trip, 
I like just came out of a stupor that I had been in for like hours on, on a bed and told my friends that there's a hidden language inside of us or inside of syntax itself. And it includes every language that we know of on the planet, but just the sounds, the sounds, it's not about like the whole words. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was just insane. And I came back from that thinking I was insane, but you know, there's just this nagging feeling like, I wonder if there's something to that. And then 20 years later, I find the box saga talking about this language that literally like ties nature into the, like basically the incorporeal into the corporeal. Mm. And it was just like, Holy shit, man. So yeah, just yeah. that little cool tidbit. I think it's awesome. No, I've been fascinated about it, dude. Thank you for sharing. Cause I know no it's problem. something you've been looking into for a little while and I'm just like, hell yeah, I get to hear it straight from Andy's mouth. <laughs> it's wild, man. And it's an ongoing living legend too, because we have like, you know, the, the next Nick Cage treasure hunt movie coming up because we have this Lemminkainen temple in Sipu, Finland that they've been desperately trying to excavate since Eeyore Bach release this story and this is supposedly the one place where for generations and generations all those other ringlands would do pilgrimages back to the acer in the north and bring treasures and memorabilia and gold and gold and gold into this lemon kind temple and so far what eeyore bach described before he died what they would run into if they were trying to excavate it certain blocks in certain places they have found them even though the historic society has claimed that that's a that's a nat natural uh mon that's a natural uh configuration that's not man-made and they've walked away a long time ago but no huh. they're still digging so yeah there's a lot to this man like it literally covers every friggin' topic it's nuts the treasure hunting stuff is ridiculous like if we were to find all that gold and all this memorabilia dedicated to like the Bach family in this thing, that would be completely insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole thing about it, you know, all these different creation myths and all these different stories and ideas that we get, it's so easy to just jump on one and pounce on it. I've done that a oh, yeah. hundred thousand times, mm -hmm. um, but to see, you know, all the different similarities and different ideas that sort of come together. The Oralinda book was cool for that because uh, but it just shows how much of history that m we m maybe don't even get to consider. Mangled. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's all just mangled. Completely just deleted. It's not even in right. Yeah. There's not, there's nothing to that. So we could look back at our lineages and see different values or different traditions or what have you that might have been highly, highly cherished, you know, that mm -hmm. we maybe do. And then, come into this world and we've got maybe our DNA and genetics uh, a certain way. Right. And so somebody else might not have those same experiences or be as empathetic or more or less or whatever. I know a lot of people talk about this and I'm not trying yeah. to, um, you know, um, va value one or the other, but I'm just pointing out that we could all be innately like have different value sets, different, mm -hmm. like, uh, like like ancient like traditions handed down you know that we don't even we are not connected to right like we yeah. have the capability for it but we don't even know what it is like there's a disconnect there it's fascinating to me and uh, right like we're completely like uh disconnected from like the original meaning of why we do it right right 
Like, well, it's so now, bizarre. In the culture war that we live oh in. Oh my like, God, now, yeah. Values, you know, it's like, no, don't worry about being well-read or learning to spell or... Dude, it's you know, so that. Let's just Let's just twerk on MTV's music awards or whatever. Yeah, twerk while you're doing Common Core, you know? <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm homeschooling. <laughs> <laughs> Not the only reason, but that's one of them. I don't want to sure. learn Common Core. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I can waste. I got better ways to waste time, you know? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just do it the uh, old Looking into history. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, but it is so fascinating to me because you hear all these different themes and ideas and and then the idea of ink and paper coming into it where all these different yarns can be spun and mm. whoever really knows, right? Like infinite amounts. It reminds me of that quote. And I don't know who it is, but somebody from the CIA where they're saying that, you know, when the American public believes the opposite of everything that's true, our work will be done or yeah, something like our, that. our program was, will be successful. Yeah. We know will be successful. Exactly. Yeah. It's oh, like, fuck, man. The yeah. cognitive dissonance. <laughs> yeah. It just spreads like that. And, yeah. you know, just to give you an example of like what they mean in the box saga by pure sounds and all that, how this language is put together and give you a glimpse of how, clearly our language is either intentionally or accidentally encoded is that like think of our first letter in the english language is a but to them that's two sounds that's ah and e and the e is the most important sound and how interesting of the english language to suppress that <laughs> so i mean it's very intricate how it's all how it all like pieces out and what the sound what our letters used to be what our original sounds used to be that we don't we're not even aware of we recite the alpha that's our that's the first thing we learn you know as kids and it's so that's that's a an interesting line to go down i mean the fact that we already so many of us talk about different angles of how we're all programmed from a very young age even with, even without our parents knowing they're programming us into this world right well that's that's a, a big one right there the alphabet and I'm doing it with my son right now. You know, he's five years old. He's learning how to read and mm -hmm. he's learning, learning how to, how to do math. And mm -hmm. he's about to turn five in a couple months, but I'm calling him five. And, uh, he's, he's, he's loving it. You know, it's, it's great. And it's so weird how part of the indoctrination that children go through, it's, ah, man, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's unavoidable, but there's so much that's ingrained in us that we don't even, we not, we can't even realize it. And even when we do, it's like, ah, crap. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But at the same time, like, uh, like, it's not like he's going to have to mingle with other kids and be different. And it's not none of that. It's just like, it's very basic shit. You know, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain, I guess. Well, I, but, I can totally understand. It's like you're at Kroger and you hear like a fucking Rick Astley song. You never asked for that, you know? Right. It was never something that you voluntarily went after, but there right. it is in your consciousness, whether you like it or not, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I All mean, kinds of little things like that. <clears throat> yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. I think being a parent's fun because it's like, I get the, the other side of the, I get to teach, but you're never teaching without learning. Like learning how to teach someone is like mind blowing, man. Mm. It's like, well, this is the test. This is the test. If I can prove that I 
I learned how to fucking live. <laughs> like, like, what do I say to all his questions? Right? Like, okay, well, this is the universe, God. It's testing me. What answers do I have for this child? You know, wow. how do I? How do you tie shoes? Well, am I going to approach this with anxiety and stress? Am I going to do it hmm. peacefully and and calmly? Like, parenting is such a test. It's unbelievable. It really feels like you know those moments where like when you're on a really good role and everything's going really good. You're riding that high wave and you see so obviously the challenges popping up at you, either that's ego or God challenging you or whatever it is. They're so obvious to see when you're really high rolling. You're like, ah, no, that's not going to bother me today. No, no, no. It feels like that too. Like it feels like such a in your face, like, Oh, you thought parenting was just all about love and, and fun. And no, this is real work. This is the, the deep work that you have to do. And you're doing it on yourself. And you think you're doing it on that little kid. Mm. You know what I mean? Like looking into inner child work and shit has blown my mind over the past couple of years. And it's impacted our parenting in a lot of amazing ways. Because it's like, would you ever talk to your, to your child the way you talk to yourself? And then shit, why am I talking to myself that way? And why would I ever, mm. when have I lost my temper in front of my kid? Or when have I approached something impatiently that I really didn't have to, you know what I mean? All these questions start popping up. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I can only, <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine like it to me. It's like, I know that some, something, some where is kind of like monitoring what I'm doing in a way. Right. But I can't imagine having that be a conscious entity. And then all of a sudden it sees you act in like a ridiculous way. Like, Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to the, yeah, that's the God argument, right? Like, is it, it's always like, it's like the yin yang envisioned as one fish chasing its own tail. Yeah. And it's like, is that the truth or is there the other? And that's kind of like that ancient question. I found that. I can't remember where, but it was like during my psychedelic research, I found someone talking about this idea of the, the sacred other. And like, oh, I it's love that. forever been a question, whether it's there or not, or whether it's a trick of, of yourself. And that sounds really atheistic. And I'm, I don't take it that way. Uh, it's, I think the answers are somewhere in between, you know, I really do believe that. I think there's like some form of how there being quote unquote, no God or no afterlife quote unquote is a real thing while also there being like us as eternal beings. I feel like it's a paradox somehow. And I haven't been able to figure it out probably because you're not allowed to. Right. To. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a, a Eastern saying that it's better to taste sugar than to be sugar. Oh, you that's know? beautiful, dude. That is fucking beautiful. And so yeah. I think it comes along to do with that. It's like we are everything, but yeah, we're an emanation we, of it all. But we get to experience it when we separate ourselves from it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to at all. Yeah. It's like when they talk about when you, when you, you know, a lot of the hippie movement talked about like, you know, this is why we started caring about the planet because we felt literally felt the weight of the world on our shoulders. And that can happen under psychedelics, especially mushrooms big time. And it's like, yeah, it's like the, it's like a God perspective that you get. And, and if people come back and they think they're God, I think that's false. And I agree with the Christian side of that situation i think that is the false ideology it's that we're emanations of god 
And, you know, I think it's a, that's a, an original point is what God is or something. But be, that's besides the point. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that too. It's like, you you know, the way that uh, I've heard it say is we're all, each a particle of God, right? Like, so we're each right. like, this component of it, right? Like what, like what Rumi would say is, you know, you're not the, you're not the, you're not a drop in the ocean. You're the entire ocean in a drop, right. but you are yeah. in that drop. Right. And so, yeah. And that's part yeah. of, I've been getting into Gurdjieff's work actually too. Dude. <laughs> it's awesome really yeah it's really good. how you liking him i like it he's funny what and have you taken from him so far or go ahead sorry I, keep no going. it's yeah it's, it's that um the biggest thing that i've taken from him and this is something that i got to explore even before i found his work was uh the difference between our personality and our essence right like mm. and so he splits those into two different things and i took this acting process it's kind of an acting process, like a personal branding workshop kind of thing. It was incredibly valuable, especially from the standpoint of, of writing comedy where I can understand how people perceive of me. And then yeah, you sent me that, it. didn't yeah, you? It's fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. I've been using that to create characters in, in the, in the audio drama. It's an <laughs> excellent tool. Yeah, man. And so basically what they try to do is define your sort of essence, how you come across, you know, your authentic you. And so your personality is mostly programmed. That's mostly like, how do people perceive of me? How do I want to be perceived of, you know, all these ideas of uh, what he would call internal considering versus external considering, which is like seeing things from a higher perspective and holistically and stuff. Right. Um, but to me, like that is the biggest, and I love that this is going to be such a valuable tool for me uh, and for anybody that I share it with, because when you start to separate your essence from your personality, because if we were incarnated, let's say a thousand years ago in a different culture, we would, we would, uh, completely program our personalities differently. Some of that's unconscious, but some of it's very conscious. Yeah. So you can step back and be like, okay, well the programmed, cause like Gurdjieff starts off, he's like, man is a robot. Man has no will. He's like, <laughs> fuck you. You know, he's like that motherfucker on the, pl on the playground that just wants to start some shit. Yeah. That's where he starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he starts with the problem, but he does offer the solution. And I like that a lot, you know, and, and basically it's a lot of Eastern stuff, self-reflection okay. and really deeping, deepening that understanding of what your essence is. And so you got to have both and there's nothing wrong with having like a personality, he says, but you got to balance that out with what the essence is. Cause that's where the true, you know, uh, expression kind of comes from. And it's about self-remembering that's his whole thing. Right. And so when you can remember that essence and identify it, then, um, then you're getting closer to like those, I think he has seven, he has a seven tiered seven again. Right. Right. So Always just seven. like the chakras, but like a seven tiered, uh, sort of map of consciousness, like man, number one, man, number two, man, number three and all. Right. And it's mindfulness that he's really talking about a coin, a term that like, wasn't a Western term at the time, you know, at all mindfulness. You yeah. Know, being, being present with what you're bringing to the table. You know? Yeah, it's it's I loved it. I've I've really enjoyed it. It's uh it's added an extra layer of uh understanding and more tools. It's like yeah. I, I think everything's kind of saying the same thing, you know, ultimately, I think. And you know, back to this ink and paper thing, if we just learn to follow our intuitions better and just yeah. learn those signals better and understand that process better, then maybe we can start to answer some of these questions without having all these 
distractions, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's weird too. Like Kate and I always go back and forth. We like, we'll talk about how rigid some of the spiritual uh, like path sounds sometimes, you know, like the, even purity, like even purity itself. And maybe it's just our egos talking, but it's like, man, did we come here to be human or did we not like, it's such an in-between. And I, again, always, I find myself in that in-between place between a lot of what my Christian friends say, because I absolutely value the meanings and the archetypes and the, the messages behind a lot of biblical texts and stuff. I think it, I don't have to be a Christian. I don't even have to, you know, right. believe the front-facing story of it to understand that this text is very important, whether it was you know, hijacked and encoded with stuff or, or not, it's giving absolute things, you know? So I'm stuck between that. And then the more not new age, that's what it will be called, but the more esoteric side of things, which is unfortunately for those that are freaked out closer to the heart, right? Because it's like, that's the information that flows out of me in conversations like this, that I didn't read in a book that came from my experiences. And I related to those things written about about the esoteric world. And then I reread the religion that I grew up with. And I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. We got a much bigger puzzle on our hands here. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, this all fits together. Not even just like we could talk about history, how all the religions fit together. And then you can talk about spiritually and cognitively, how all the stories are archetypes of your own world. It's this repeating muscle memory of stories over and over for you know, our entire history. It's, it is that Joseph Campbell, mm -hmm. you know, uh, hero's adventure. It's the hero with a thousand faces. It really mm -hmm. is. It starts in here and then it ends up in this collective world that we have. We see those stories over and over again in our history. It starts in here, right? It's such an amazing way to communicate. We do it without even, even realizing that we're doing it. And uh, mm -hmm. regardless of what's even intended based on the story, everyone who hears it's going to come up with their own interpretation. So yeah. Yeah. It's funny how we say, Oh, the ancient spoken symbolism. We don't. So that's why it's hard to interpret everything. It's like, well, okay, but symbols are stories and we absolutely were raised on how to interpret life and morals and a lot of things through story. Mm -hmm. So eh, we're not that far removed. They're still our family, you know? I, I think so too. Yeah. I think we're not that far removed. I love that all these new discoveries and ideas and possibilities keep getting discovered. Cause I mean, that's how we grow as a community and it's, I don't know, I guess some people could look back and be like, and, and a lot of people will point fingers and scream like uh, misinformation or mm -hmm. something, who knows what all um, I'm sure there's a lot of drama. I just don't even pay attention to any of that personally. Yeah. Anyways, but um, we're all I, on different points. Yeah, we're all yeah, and you're following your curiosity, your path. Like if someone if someone woke up today and realized, I think there's something going on between these two polar opposite political parties. Good. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, a lot of us have been there for two decades. Welcome to the fucking show. Right. <laughs> like that's the tip of the iceberg. But hey, you're standing on there with the mittens and waving to us. All right, that's you're right. here. You know, we're all on these different points. So, I mean, yeah, people are going to yell and you just can't pay attention to it. Yeah. Or maybe you should. I shouldn't say that. I know that that sentiment's out there a lot that, you know, just ignore it all. But when I can interact and it's not going to be toxic, I absolutely try to. Because 
these are the people that want to be informed and are asking. They're not our, <laughs> our family members who don't want to hear it at, at Thanksgiving dinner. Right, you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I'm certainly open and I'm open to other um, ideas and interpretations and you name it, right? Like I want to learn more. I think it's great because it mostly it is fractals, right? Like it's just, we're just going to see the same things over and over. I think a lot of times anyway, all right. these different patterns. So yeah, if somebody has a good intention, then absolutely I'll entertain it. You know, I have people hit me up, you know, sending me emails, telling me all kinds of crazy stories. Some of them I believe some, I'm not so sure. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you're going to find little truth nuggets in all of them. You That's know, right. That's exactly like I don't right. believe in, I don't, I don't see the earth as flat, but I, absolutely applaud and i love our flat earthers out there who have exposed how bullshit nasa is mm -hmm. and i think for some they'll be like oh, well, you don't okay you can understand that aspect but you're still hanging on to your globe I'm like yeah well i hang on to as above so below and actually yeah fractal geometry geometry the structure of the universe, sacred geometry, like, sorry, these things don't lie and spheres are included in mathematics, which is the, it's the, it's the system we're in, engulfed in, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have to see it mathematically, but so that's anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I definitely was interested in that for, and looking at a bunch of different things for over a year, which yeah. ultimately I knew like, it doesn't matter to me. It's not going to help me in my world or my working with people, whether it's flat or round, doesn't matter. We right. still have the same challenges that we're going to overcome. We're still, we still want to be as creative as possible and, uh, and understand, yeah. you know, and do those, that type of work. Cause that's what I'm mostly focused on. You know, it's like, so yeah, that's all well and good. Sure. Let's look into it, <laughs> but I'm not here to, I don't, I don't want to, I can't waste, not, not that it's a waste of time for anybody, but for me and what I have, to focus on, it would kind of take me off my yeah. path. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of different uh, sort of things to be distracted by, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel that same sentiment towards politics. I, you know, I am not up to par with the information. I'm always looking to others. If I'm, if I want to know, it's got to be from somebody else. Cause I'm not doing any research of, you know, political figures and characters. No, because you know, when I look at the past and, and the patterns that we see, you know, all I have to do is look at whatever's on TV for like three seconds and go, well, yeah, obviously yeah, it, <laughs> it's all just repeating anyway. It is. It's so easy to see through too all the stuff on TV. I, that's what I think is eventually going to start clicking with most people is like how overt the propaganda is. So just asking a question like, do you believe you're immune to prop propaganda? You know, like, do you, uh, are you affected by it? You know, like right. whatever, like little things like that, where people like just to short circuit them enough to give a little bit of space, you know, to maybe open, open up and eventually they will, right. When they see this overt ridiculous shit, uh, on, on TV and, and they're like, Oh, fuck, like, I'm, I'm, I'm under attack. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's me. Oh, me. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, me. No, you No, me. Oh, oh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, it's like, do you, sometimes it feels like the absurdity is on purpose and I, that's not really a new idea, of course, but <laughs> I think how, how many of us interpret it usually is that, um, it's in a mocking tongue. Right. 
And yeah, maybe it could totally be. I just like to entertain the other idea that behind these characters, and I don't mean it as in like they're all wearing masks or they're all CGI. I just mean in this realm, in this understanding of our interactions with one another in physical reality, these characters may, whatever's behind them, whatever the intent is, maybe the energetic interpretation of what's happening on this planet hmm. with all these humans Maybe they're, maybe it's trying to wake us up because it's like, maybe we should make that a little bit more obvious for them. Oh, come on. No, really. I mean, think about it. It's been like a long time and we're getting really close to that, that moment. And we really want them to be awake for it. <laughs> yeah. It feels like that a little bit. It also feels a little bit back towards the nemesis side. It feels like Captain Hook. Remember in Hook, uh, he gave Tinkerbell like three days course three days to get your man in shape because he wanted his war he didn't want to fight some codfish right so maybe that's what the revelation mm. of the method is all about maybe that's why the obviousness is they want mm. they're talking to us they're, they're not talking to the people that are buying into everything right they're talking to us with all their bullshit yep. that they know is bullshit mm -hmm. and they know we can see it right it's yeah so i don't know if that's paranoid or onto something but it feels weirdly right on one level or another you know yeah i think i think there's a lot uh, a lot to that yeah because the other yeah. people aren't going to see that they're going to totally miss it right like their awareness is not even tuned into that but then you see right. it and you're like oh shit I, like he, it's like calling somebody out or like doing a secret handshake or something nobody else sees that secret handshake except for the person who knows what it is <laughs> yeah man it's all of us freaks you know That's right. so how about that what what weird world is it when we realize ugh, i don't know that's a dystopian fucking sci-fi movie when all the the awake spiritually people like all of us suddenly realize that yeah everybody else wasn't even real and it was just us and this fucking thing mm. <laughs> that's crazy we're the only ones they're actually talking to well i think the internet's like that right too where there's all these robots and like click farms and stuff like yeah, that dude. where it's like you just see see this overwhelming you know uh opposite opinion or and scary it's like oh my god there's this it's, it seems insurmountable of all these people who are going along with whatever the modern you know narrative is right but how many of those probably they say at least 50 to 60 percent are robots so yeah the dead internet theory it's like a psych out and you know <laughs> i took the dead theory the dead internet theory wrong at first or maybe i took it right and maybe they don't say this i don't know but originally i took it like that it's always been that way, but that it's like always kind of been partly an illusion. Hmm. But the way I was looking at it recently is that, well, if AI is going to take over, it's probably going to do it through the internet first mm -hmm. and infiltrate there. So maybe that's what's happening. And maybe, you know, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's just a dead end thought, but yeah, maybe that's how it's starting, you know, and that would make sense. Right. Cause this gang that's, that's, uh, attacking us all the time is always, um, subversive. They're always covert. Right. So that would be, um, the perfect method anyway. Well, it's cheaper now, right? Like they, you mm. don't want to wage, uh, actual war. Cause then you got to buy weapons and hire yeah. people and Halliburton has to do $50 bags of laundry and you know, 
There's a whole, that's a whole yeah. thing. If you could just fuck with people's heads, you know, that's like three cents per click. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a whole different strategy. And especially if it's mostly just us clicking on that shit, <laughs> man, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like it's adding a whole nother layer to that ink and paper thing, right? Because now yeah. you have the memory hole where yeah, man. you can change that shit at any point in time. You can change it back. We're you're you're Asia, East Asia. I don't know. <laughs> Who are we at war with again? You know, yeah. Um, ourselves oh man <laughs> damn, damn it, it. every again? time <laughs> <laughs> oh that's have that you ever seen that meme where it's like before and after spiritual awakening and it like shows a little kid <laughs> crying with a boot on his head and then afterwards it's his own fucking arm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i love it's, that oh, that gave me chills I'm like, oh because i think you and i talked about like the last time we spoke or maybe the first time about like like tripping balls man you like find the conspirator in here and you find all the patterns that your inner child's been hiding from you and and you know acting like nothing's going on nothing's wrong you you know hiding all sorts of things it's amazing it is it is yeah i found a page in my book just today and it's a lot of just prompt questions like uh what part of you you know wants to give up what part of you uh you know, speaks negatively to yourself. What part of you, you know, just all these different prompts and these different questions. Oh, I'm not wow. even sure what book that's from. It might be from the artist way, but I don't think it is. It might, I don't know. That's I cool though. I didn't that's put like good questions. I usually put like a page number or something in my notes if I'm like referencing it from something, but, but it is things like that, right? It's like back to the idea of like, oh, let's just give up. Fuck it. You know? <laughs> like, good luck, you know, because you're not, yeah. you're not going to be able to do that, but you can start to chart these different like parts of yourself and figure out like, okay, what am I protecting? You know, what do right. I have to lose by being honest? Only things that don't matter. So, yeah. you know, how Only can Only things I... that are lies anyway. Or, exactly. You know, something like that. Well, exactly. Stuff that I don't fucking value to begin with. So yeah, pretty quickly it just turns into a house of cards and you just don't want the house of cards to fall. And that's all there is. It's just a lie for the, for the lie, you know, right. Or right. A dishonesty for, or an inauthentic move for an, you know, exactly. It just rattles that, out that personality versus essence. Yes, back to that. Absolutely. Right. Like, like I, I really know. like that. I like that frame. I like it a lot too. Yeah. It's going to be so helpful for just, figuring out and asking, you know, you can ask yourself with a pendulum or do like a muscle test with something like that. Yeah. Like, is this my person or is this my essence that want like, you know, like, or like, um, just, he says to just do a lot of reflection on that. And that makes yeah, sense man. to me, you know, just because like my wife does the pendulum. She likes it a lot. And she, so, uh, this is kind of, you know, chaos magic versus ceremonial magic and mm -hmm. things like that, where it's like, and I'm not calling myself a chaos magician. I'm just saying that this metaphor relates to it. It's just that like, you know, if you can just reflect and get it done that way, then it works. And some things I can do that with other things I haven't been able to yet. Maybe I will. I don't know. Other things, you know, it depends on how good you are at it. If you don't trust yourself enough with something, then you're going to need those props. You're going to need these external parts to kind of link you to, you know, the corporeal back to that incorporeal. Mm. And then, you know, eventually, maybe, or I don't know what the circumstances are, but some sometimes you can do it without. And it just becomes, you know, part of uh how you think i guess you know 
Yeah. I don't I know think, how else to say it. Yeah, no. And uh, he says to uh, Gurdjieff, he talks because he's talking about alchemy. Ooh, and he's actually yes. pointing out that that's just new connections in the brain that he talks about every chemical and all this shit, but it's just new chemicals in the brain. That's basically exactly yeah. what he's talking about. It's so that's good. why I love Gurdjieff. It's like, <laughs> he'll, man, I, I love that kind of shit. Cause I always see that about like alchemy or other concepts. It's like, I just, as soon as I learn about something immediately, the tendency is to scale outwards and see what else that concept represents in reality. You know, you take war, you can go to infinity with that, you know, any, any concept and you just start scaling in and out and seeing where that, where those physics are in, in the world, in people's personalities and culture. And it's nuts. It's pretty cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah, man. No, it's, it's so cool. I I'm excited to learn more about, I'm, I'm definitely want to, uh, check in with you guys and see kind of how uh, you continue. What, what's the name of your show with Dan and Naki Dan? Yeah. Oh yeah. We do a Patreon show called deep share and it's literally uh -huh. like, it's not really like a show mm -hmm. format. It kind of is. We'll say hi, I guess to the audience for a second, but like for the most part, it's just us talking to each other and asking each other questions, reading things. Uh, we're researching and you get to be like a fly on the wall. That's basically. pretty damn cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. We don't, you know, we're, we're just, we're taking, we're using box saga and stories like it, you know, uh, the poetic Edda, um, you know, the, the book that you mentioned, the, what was it? The Oralinda book. Oralinda, That's yeah. another great reference. Um, I have a book right here. Atlantis of the North by Jurgen Spanuth. I had to get this, like, this was like a rare find on only found it like used, and um it was like fucking 40 bucks <laughs> but uh not too bad but yeah it's um it's another perspective and we're looking at different parts of history and different other people's work on certain cultures and what they came out of it with and we're going well like oh many many times we're like oh how about that he came to this conclusion without even realizing <laughs> he was making this connection to Boxa. He literally brought it out for us. Thank you very much. Whoever that was, you know, archaeologist or historian. It's pretty in interesting stuff. We're going all over the place. So that's so cool. No, I love that. I think that's really, really fascinating. And I'm I'm excited to Thank hear you, what you guys yeah. come up with with that. That shit is fascinating to me, dude. Like I never cared when I was a kid. None of none of our family did about our genetic roots or our family tree or any of that shit. And now I'm like incredibly fascinated with all of it. It's weird. How that Dude, happened. like I, I, I kind of loved it ever since Indiana Jones thing. And then ancient aliens when I was younger and, and stuff like that. But then all these years later, becoming good friends with Dan, Dan Yanaki, Dan from rising from the ashes, shout him out. He's awesome. Um, that dude you know, we were friends for a quick minute and like, he's going, dude, I found this out about our families from way back in history. We fought alongside each other. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is a cool friendship. <laughs> like, that is amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> so, like, dude. That he's triggered like a whole new level of like digging way deeper into history. And he's who introduced me to the box saga originally anyway. Wow. And uh, our good friend, uh, Yoke from Sweden, who joined us on our show, Roots of Creation, which we haven't done any episodes in a lot of months, but we're talking about maybe doing one again. Uh, we used to have people on that were very close friends with Eeyore Bach from Finland telling this story of his family line, supposedly going back to the very beginning. 
all these men that were friends with him, uh, but some of them came on our show and shared their experiences and their take on things. And we planned on to keep going with it, but we just kind of, uh, a lot of things have gotten in the way, honestly. So we're thinking about doing it again. You know? That's cool. I love it, man. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll put a link for that, uh, down below so people can check it out. And you know, I gotta say, if you want a really comprehensive take on like, at least our perspective, the three of us, uh, we were on t- uh, Sam's tinfoil hat, like a couple, few months ago. I can't remember. Maybe may, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. But, um, and man, our, our buddy Yoke from Sweden just erupted out and like, nice. just shared all the information, man. And he's, he's got the key. Like, the one thing I didn't really talk about is the Swedish and the Finnish languages and how this box saga claims that like there was this root language and there was the Vonner language, which was everything else outside of that one area in the North. And that we now speak a combination of those two languages and everything. It's pretty wild, pretty wild stuff. Yeah. That's, I don't know where I was. No, no, I'll put a link in that (laughs) because you're just saying like, if, if people want a, a good comprehensive, uh, overview of it that's a good place to start so yeah yeah he really unleashed the fury on that episode that's that was badass. cool well good what a great place to do it too you know <laughs> yeah it was fun <laughs> a lot of oh my gods yeah that was good <laughs> yeah oh my god dude yeah. <laughs> that's a good that's good <laughs> yeah 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 it was fun yeah but we've been trying to spread it around you know we're open to coming on other people's shows and answering questions that's the most important part like we get it. A lot of people haven't heard this before, so we got to tell it and that's fine. And a lot of people are really sick of telling it. Like some of the guys from, sure. from Sweden and Finland are just like, Oh my God, <sighs> I don't want to go over paradise time again. You know what I mean? So we're doing it cause it's still new to us, but eventually it's like, okay, bring on the firestorm of doubt and questions because we want, we want to tear it down. We want to chisel this all down to its final form, man. We're just uncovering, the traumas of our collective history together. And that's really, I think the only way we're going to appropriately move forward as a species together. So time to take all the ghosts and all the skeletons out. Hell yeah. Let's unpack the whole suitcase, man. See what's in here and start wherever we can do. And I love the idea too, of uh, putting, putting like getting some land and all of that i i think that's yeah man we didn't talk about that enough <laughs> yeah we'll talk about it more i think it's fascinating it's something that i've been thinking a lot about too just it would be really cool to just have a place where people can you know feel you know at home and and start working on some different projects you know and this yeah. it's just things take the amount of time i think that they need to they t- need to take right like you can't rush shit you can't rush yeah trust and and that type of thing you know no it's like, it's you know, play out. I always just try to enjoy that part where it's like, man, I can't wait to look back on how anxious I was for this doll. Yes, that's such a great perspective, dude. I love like, that. Oh, I love this time. This is like yeah. the, the hard, even like while we're, we've been like struggling financially off and on, it's like, well, I can't wait to look back. You know, I can picture us telling older, you know, Finnegan, like, Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. Back before this happened and this happened. Well, life was a lot different back then. I can see that happening and maybe that's manifestation, but I've been, that's like just something I I've been doing, you know, I just try to do that as much as possible. If it wasn't hard enough to make you think about giving up, then it wasn't challenging enough to actually go through. (laughs) 
That's Damn the paradox, right? right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, wherever there are paradoxes, flee towards the <laughs> Yeah, run to the paradox. Most of the time. Unless <laughs> it's like literally like a floating box. With <laughs> yeah, don't do that. For sure, man. Well, anything, any, anything else you want to oh uh, throw out there? I, I, I know we could probably go on for a long time. I would love that too. We should do. I know. Well, I, you know, I'm so thankful for you having me on. I should have you on the deep share soon so we can just do this more. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I'd love to do a live stream too at some point. And just get a little bit of a panel coming. I need to in yes. introduce you to Joe Roop. You guys are gonna really enjoy each other. Yeah, I think we briefly spoke one time through an email, uh, briefly, and we just never have we just haven't made anything happen yet but he's a fascinating guy i've heard him speak on a lot of different subjects and i jive with a lot of stuff he says so yeah, yeah there's be a so great many. great conversation to get us so, together yeah we'll do that we'll make that happen and uh and yeah just uh reach out to me any old time and uh hell yeah man to let people know where where to find you track you down and stuff yeah i'm on the socials at just the deep share you can find me ranting and much angrier i think on twitter i think twitter makes me like angry the angrier metal side of me comes out a little more but um yeah i'm on instagram and twitter um the deep share podcast is on youtube and odyssey technically on rockfin but i haven't done anything with it um and yeah i'm on all the typical podcast platforms and i'm on patreon with uh dan so yeah it's been really awesome catching up with you, man. It's been a long time. And, it has, uh, I, it has. I really like where your mind's at with this whole land thing. And I think, as you said, things are going to happen as they happen. And we're going to rejoice in that while we're, uh, while we start talking about some stuff. That's right. While we get the ball in motion. Cause I think that's, yeah, I think that's it, man. I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think there's a lot of potential there and a lot of really so fucking awesome things, things that are like beyond our own scope that we couldn't even. Oh, hell yeah. That's the best part, right? Like, yeah, all the shit that we that we like our future selves, the, they're just laughing at us, like, oh, they have no idea. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, it's right. like the field of dreams uh thing where he's like has that meltdown. He's like, I'm asking, what's in it for me? What's yeah. in it for me? And then they go off into the cornfield and they all vanish and he's all bummed out, but then his fucking dad's there and they get to have a catch, you know. Dude, I gotta oh my god, <laughs> I gotta see that movie. That's one of my favorite movies growing up. I was a big baseball player, so I mean I love that movie. I gotta watch that again as like I haven't seen that since I was like 12 or 13. Oh, so such a good one. Yeah. If you build it, they will. Or if, if you build it, he will come. Yeah. That, that's oh, right. That's one, of the, oh, it's one of those Mandela effects, right? <laughs> Dude. All right. Yeah. I got to. Yeah. Stay tuned for yeah. Booty Greenwood on the deep share. Like, I'm stat. Stoked. Yeah, dude. Let's do it. I'm stoked. All right, man. It's been we'll real. Do, no, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks.